have the privilege of Pastor Derek uh, coming and sharing with us. Pastor Derek is the pastor of Radiate Church, and some of our some of his worship team was with us with us tonight. Thank you. Um, share with you a little bit about Radiate real quickly. Uh, you can tell them too, but Radiate's uh, vision is to revive, rebuild, and radiate the love of Jesus. And so I'm excited that Pastor Derek is here to share the word of God with us tonight. So, brother, share with us what you have. Good evening, C3. You, you sure you want a message? I'm perfectly fine with just sitting in worship for another hour. That was good, wasn't it? That was good. Just, just that song in the, in the beginning, nothing is better. Nothing is better than you. Like, there's so much packed into that that... Like, I wouldn't be able to just, like, unpack in an hour of just nothing is better than Jesus at all. And spending time in his presence, especially together as a body. Like, ooh, that just recharges my battery, right? Like, that's what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, just super happy to be able to be home. It's so good to be home. <laughs> so, but uh, just... You know, thank you for the worship team, too, you know, for being able to work Radiate and C3's team, and you guys crushed it, so great job. Thank you guys for leading us into the throne room of heaven. Appreciate them. But, uh, yeah, I'm super pumped. Um, I believe that the majority of you in here know me, but if you don't, uh, my name's Derek. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> and I am uh, the pastor of Radiate Christian Church. Uh, that was the first church plant that came from C3. So came here at seven, stayed in until uh, they kicked me out to start my own church. So, um, but no, I'm just kidding, it's good. And by the way, Gabe said this morning, or not this morning, before service started, he said that we're all human. I heard a bunch of angels singing, so I don't know if that was correct, but you guys sounded great. So good job. But um, I'm just gonna pray real quick and then uh, we'll get rolling. So Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Lord, thank you for these wonderful people. God, we are here to seek you, to fix our eyes and fix our gaze on you, to come and hear what you have for us to hear. Lord, I pray right now that any distraction, any thought that is against what you are trying to do, we take captive now in the name of Jesus, and we make it bow to your authority. God, I pray right now that you will begin to turn graves into gardens, Lord, if there's anything that's dry in our lives, you will refresh and renew them, Lord, for that is, that is a promise that you have given us, God, to revive us. Lord, and I pray right now that you will just be pleased with this night, God, that the words that come from my mouth are yours and not mine, and that people here will hear you and not me. I'd happily take the back seat. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So. We're going to be talking about uh, answering the call. I'm not talking about a phone call. I'm talking about the call that God has placed before us. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen outside today, like, and the way that people are, and the way that social media is, and the way that some people in the church are who are a little confused. But the church is being attacked from not just outside, but from the inside. There's a ton of people preaching improper doctrine and we're under a, some serious attack so what does that mean for the church it means that there's a call on the church that comes from God himself for us to rise up 
and take our place in the kingdom authority that he's blessed us with. I want to make sure that we're all answering that call. And this is a message of encouragement. I love encouraging people. So I hope that tonight you walk away encouraged and refreshed. Um, and I think just the worship already kickstarted that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited to go. But I want to tell you a little bit of a story. There was a man, used to be a boy, obviously, a little child, who was sent up a river, right, by his mother to escape a death warrant that was out. And he was picked up out of the river by an Egyptian princess who adopted him, right, and raised him in royalty and wealth. Lucky bum. One day, he kills an Egyptian that he witnesses beating on a Hebrew. And, you know, he recognized what was happening, and he had to step in. It was just he needed to do something, right? And once he realized that that Egyptian was dead, he takes off. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm about to get in serious trouble. I'm gone. Takes off, goes to the desert, and leaves everything behind. All his wealth, everything that he had developed over there, he left. And he becomes a shepherd, just tending some sheep. And begins to live a simple life that I would imagine he'd probably become, you know, become quite content with, right? Um, but little did he know that there would be a day of divine intervention where God was going to put a call on his life that would come to him through a conversation with a bush that was on fire. Be talking to God, right? And after this conversation, there was nothing that he could do. Nothing he could do but answer the call that was placed on his life. He had to, right? He had no idea what was to come, didn't know about all the things that God was going to do through him, and he had no clue what the future was going to hold. Kind of sounds like us sometimes, right? Like we have no we don't know where God's going to lead us, right? We don't know what he's going to do, what he's doing behind the scenes, what he's working behind the scenes that we can't see. We don't know. But all this guy knew was that God had placed a call in his life and he could not resist answering it. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Moses? That's right. You guys are smart. <laughs> yes, Moses. And the Bible shares a ton of stories of people who achieve amazing feats. And many of them we're familiar with, right? Like, for example, you got the muscle man Samson, right? Gets his hair chopped off from Delilah, loses all his strength, prays to God to get the strength, and brings the house down. You call him the, you know, Bible's best comedian because he brought the house down. So, sorry. I had to make at least one bad joke. I'm sorry. Boo, <laughs> get off the stage. No, I'm just kidding. You've got Solomon the wise king, right, who was perceiving wealth and, or pursuing wealth and money, but realized that wisdom, godly wisdom, not just being wise, but godly wisdom was more valuable than any kind of money or jewel that he could receive. You've got Queen Esther, right, who saved her people from annihilation, who walked into the king's throne room without an invitation, which could have led to her death, right, but she still did it. Yet Daniel who refused to conform to what the king was saying, and then he's thrown into a lion's den, but he walks out like nothing happened. He's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> oh, those are good, good little kittens. I had, had a great time. But many of us read these stories, and many of, of us have heard them a lot. I, I sure have. Uh, but I think we, or some of us, tend to overlook the main message that these stories are trying to convey. And all these people, right, all these people that we read about, regardless of initial apprehension, 
regardless of their fear and their humanness, because let's just be honest, these people were human, right? The Bible is a book of bad people that God uses to do amazing things, like straight up. So, but all these people had initial apprehension, or they were afraid, but they responded to the call of God on their lives. They couldn't resist that unction to faithful service. And when, I, I don't know about you, I, I, I'm sure you can relate, but when Jesus captivated my heart, and he started pushing me to do his work. You just can't help but not. It's like you can't shut up. You just got to keep talking about him. And people are like, stop talking to me about it. And you're like, no, just deal with it. Because <laughs> you can't, it's, it's like just a wellspring that builds up. You can't not answer the call that he's placed on your life. And maybe you're also like me in a way where at times, maybe even times now, you might struggle with, the idea of what the calling is on your life that God has placed. I mean, maybe, maybe some of us still don't know. Maybe some of us, maybe some of us have, have an idea, but we don't know how God wants us to do it. <laughs> you know, There's a bunch of different things that we can ponder, and I, I did that growing up. I was always like, you know, what's the call that God has, has on my life? Can he really use me to do God's work? Am I really called to something? And I, I, you know, you read these stories of miraculous things in the Bible, and you're like, why, why am I not doing that? Why is my faith not bringing that up? Or maybe, you, knew, uh, you know, I knew great men and women when I was growing up. I mean, I grew up at C3, so of course I knew a lot of great people. <laughs> but I knew a lot of, and no, a lot of great men and women that were all in it for God. And I'd sit there, and I'd think to myself, why is my relationship with God like, not like theirs? Why are they jumping up and down and freaking out? But I'm just like... Hello, how are you doing? Like, I was so nervous, right? You know, why, why is it different? Anybody else been there? You been there? Is anybody else willing to say that they might be there? Like, maybe you're still wondering what the call of God is on your life. Yeah. I, sometimes I think it. Look, to be honest with you, I'm the last person I would pick to pastor a church. Little, little, little fun fact. I don't like public speaking. <laughs> I never did. So, you know, I, I would be the last person to pick. But... God has a call on our lives, and I'm really excited to tell you tonight that there is a unique, unique calling on your life, a God-given mission that only you can accomplish. He's created this blueprint, this mission for just individually you that only you can accomplish, but it's all up to the willingness to answer that call. And even more with that being said, because I did say that we're going to talk about calling as a church, right? Well, you are the church. So even more so, as part of one body, the church itself has a calling that we can only accomplish together. Together. One body, together, being together, right? Like, no separation, which is happening. We got to come together. Like, now. Like, seriously, we're, we're in some desperate times. And the church needs to be unified, right? But we need to be together, and I think, I think we can all agree, and I think we agreed in the beginning, that in light of the state of things that you see, the church is definitely being attacked from inside as much as the outside. There's a lot of confusion going on on what the Bible means and what Scripture really says. And did God really say that? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? It sounds like, a, a, you know, a serpent talking in Genesis. Yes, yes. So we're going to go back to the basics tonight. Just back to the basics. What is the church called to do? And how do you answer the unique call on your life to further God's kingdom 
and to plug in and benefit the church. Now, one thing that I'm really big at Radiate is I love teaching stuff, but I want to make sure that we're left with ways to apply it, right? So we're going we're gonna to kind of break that down. Acts 2.42 is our focus verse, right? And that can be considered um, like the purpose statement of the church, if you will. And it says this, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay. Pretty simple, right? Well, in other words, we can take that verse and we can break it down into three separate sections. That's teaching biblical doctrine. That's a big one. It's important. Providing a place of fellowship, i.e. the church, <laughs> and be a praying people. So we're going to bring it down. Ready? Ready? Oh, unfortunately, I do apologize. I don't have a PowerPoint. So for tonight, you are going to have to just listen to my voice and enjoy my handsome face. So I hope that is enough. But, uh, you know, we'll see. So, I'm really glad that you laughed at that because I wrote that in my notes and I was like, what if someone doesn't laugh? I'm going to look like, you know. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so teaching biblical doctrine, we're just going to start, we're just going to go into it, okay? So, okay, teaching biblical doctrine, meaning teaching the Bible, right? What the Bible says. I, I know that sounds like church 101, but there are so many people that you can see on social media channels and maybe people that you know that are teaching an incorrect doctrine based on, the big one, feelings or a watered-down gospel that completely dodges the importance of a very real hell that we have been saved from by the blood of Christ alone. I am so tired of seeing people go, Jesus loves everybody regardless of everything and anything and just accepts anything and there's no hell. You're all going to heaven. It's all good. Then what did Jesus die for? If there wasn't a hell to save us from, then why would he die? What's the, what's the point? It, it, oh, it just bugs me. And even more so, taking scripture and, and trying to make it fit your agenda based on the way you feel. Well, I'm sure that you have heard, many of you have heard the statement, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, neither does scripture because it's not about us. It's about God and what his word says. And that's it. That's a fact. So, And we need to be so sound in this. Like, this is so important. We have to be grounded in, biblical in, in this biblical doctrine, not just to be grounded in our faith, but to be able to proclaim the gospel in a way that people will understand. I don't know if you've ever done this. You ever tried to, like, witness to someone, and they ask a question, you don't know what to do, so you just chuck scripture at them, and they're like, well, they, they don't believe in that, so what is that going to do, right? It, it, so w if we study and we start to learn, right, and start to study with intention on what the Word of God says, we'll understand this. And I'm, I, I want to give you a little story about myself. I'm very, very passionate about sleight of hand and card tricks and magic tricks. I'm sure many of you have had interactions with me where I walk up and go, want to see a card trick? Because that was pretty much the interaction. I was either talking to you about God or I wanted to do magic tricks for you. That was pretty much it. So, and I got really excited about it, right? And I learned the mechanics and how to do a bunch of different slights. And I love the way that I can take this deck of cards and I can manipulate it right in front of your face. But because you're not seeing what I'm doing behind the scenes, it's, it's looking like a miracle's happening. But in reality, I'm just, I'm just messing with cards, right? 
Now, because I have an understanding of the proper mechanics to this trick, I can make the trick work in which you go, wow, how'd you do that? I'm never going to tell you. But that's, that's, yeah. And also, if you ask me to do it a second time, first time's a trick, second time's a lesson. I'm still not going to do it. But let's say, let's say I try to do a trick that I don't understand, okay? And I haven't practiced it yet, and I walk up, and I'm like, hey, watch this. I would have no idea what I'm doing or talking about, right? And let's say I took that trick and I tried to teach it to someone else, and I didn't know. Or I didn't know what I was saying, right? Did the mic just cut out? Yeah, no? Okay, good. All right, sorry. If I didn't know what I was doing or what I was saying, not only would I not know what I'm talking about, but I might teach you how to do that the improper way. Teach the wrong understanding of how that trick works. You get where I'm going with this? In the same way, if we follow Jesus and yet have no idea what he teaches or how he says we should live our lives, are we really following him the way we should be? Are we really teaching the gospel in a proper way? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be transparent with you guys because pastors are humans too. I was reading through, my, I've been going through a Bible plan with my team and some people at Radiate, which my brother coordinated. Kudos to you, you're doing a great job. And I was looking at my streak because the Bible app on, on your phone keeps a streak of how many days you've opened up the, up the Bible. Mine is at 11 days. That's so sad. That's so sad because that means that there are days that go by that I'm not spending any time in my word at all. I'm not filling my mind with the wisdom and the knowledge of God to prepare myself for any situation that might come. And then I thought about it to myself, why is 11 days my longest streak? Why 11 days? Why not like 476? Like I'm in this thing daily. Why, why is it so low? Right? And we have to be in our word daily to understand what God is trying to teach us so we can therefore impact people for his kingdom. Right? We need to know what we're talking about when we confront someone, especially if it's about sin. Because don't judge me. Don't, only God can judge me. Well, Scripture's from God. So this is God telling you what to do, okay? But regardless, we need to know what we're talking about, especially if we're going to approach somebody about that, because if we don't, we just we look like an infant, right? We look like we don't understand what we're talking about. And coincidentally, Ephesians 4.14 says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. How many people see people falling down to that? Some deceitful scheming. I, I truly believe, I truly believe that this verse is so relevant for today's church. As so many people are being led to believe that, like I said, Jesus is just this guy who's all about love. And it's not about defeating sin. It's not about salvation from hell and bringing you into heaven, bringing you into his presence. It's not about that. It's just Jesus is love and you go do 
What feels good? This is, this, th this is seriously a Jesus that's being taught. And it bugs me. <laughs> it bugs me. And people are eating this up because no one wants the bad stuff. No one wants to know that there's a punishment, because punishment's not fun. No one wants to, to listen to that. They just want to pick and choose, right, and take scripture that fits the way that they see life. And that basically says that Jesus is all the good things, all the promises, but all the bad stuff, eh, eh, you know, it looks past it. It's okay. It's, it's okay to go do what you're doing. It's okay. Jesus will just, will just forgive, and, you, and you're all good to go. I'm not saying that Jesus does not forgive sins. He came to end sin. He took all of our sin onto himself. I understand that. But just like Paul says, by, like by grace we're saved, that doesn't give us the opportunity to continue sin just because we're forgiven for it. That's not the case. He says, certainly not, or absolutely not, depending on what you look at. He understood, just like we understand, that there is a Jesus that is against sin. He's for the sinner, but against sin. Okay? And this is huge with, and I hate putting a political term on it, but this is what they're calling it, progressive Christianity. Pretty much we're moving out of the whole thing where, you know, there is a hell and Jesus is keeping us from there and that he does condemn sin. We're moving out of that to, to make the gospel fit people's agenda so they can feel good. And that includes all sexually immoral sin. I mean, I... I'm sorry, but I, I, I do not recall when I was a kid growing up in a time where you could just change everything about yourself like that because you feel that way and completely destroy what God has created because you feel that way or you can do whatever you want with your body because you feel that way even though that's a temple that God built, right? I didn't grow up when that was, that was a thing. It's, it's, it, that's a huge thing. And people are teaching this in churches, church churches, right? That the, and they're teaching that the gospel can adapt to the way that we feel. There are more sin-accepting pastors popping up and gaining large followings who have no clue that they're being taught a false gospel. Like, this is all over social media. You can see it everywhere. They are, they, they're calling themselves pastors, right? Taking the term, and they're literally teaching a doctrine that is not biblical, and people are eating it up. We're getting attacked from all sides. I mean, but that was prophesied, right? We were told that we would be attacked for his name. So, I mean, that even more, that just proves that God is real to me because he prophesied that, right? So scripture, once again, does not care about the way that we feel. It's not about how we can align the gospel to our own agenda, but it's how our lives reflect him. Reflect him. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And it's so essential that we understand what Jesus taught because that's our weapon. That's our arsenal. And we need to have understanding and wisdom of that. One of my favorite verses in James talks about when a man goes to a mirror and looks at himself in the reflection, right? He sees who he is. And he hears the word but does not do what it says, right? He goes to the mirror, looks at who he is, and when he turns around, he completely forgets what he looks like. Scripture is, the, the, the living word of God is our playbook. It's our identity. It is what the church is, 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 is based on to teach. 
to bring the gospel to all nations. That what we were, that's what we're to do, right? And if we don't have an understanding, if we're not in our word daily, just eating up the Bible plan is called Eat This Book. It's kind of kind of cool, actually. But if we're not eating up all of this food for our soul, we're missing out. And I, I'm convicting myself here, too, because, I, like, once again, I don't know why it took this long for me to be in my word daily. Like, it, it really bothers me. So I'm, I'm talking to myself here. But we need to be tapping into that source of power. All right? Got a little something for you. Um, Everyone has a cell phone, right? Y'all got, got a cell phone, right? What's that? It's a charger cord. Charger cord, right? Okay. So if you take this, I'm just going to put this on the ground. If you take that charger cord, right, and you plug it into your phone, what does it do? Does, ah, there you go. Does nothing. What do you need? A power bank, right? So let's say that you are your phone because you radiate frequency, you, you teach the gospel, you go out, you make calls, you answer calls, you talk to people, you are the tool that God uses to bring the gospel to the nations, right? And you plug in your cord, which that right there is the word of God because God's the power bank. He's what refuels your batteries. He's what recharges you. Don't, don't tell me that you didn't feel a little refilled during worship. You can't tell me that you didn't, right? He's, he's your power bank. And unless you take that cord and you plug it into your power source, you're not going to recharge your batteries. In the same way, if we're not in our word daily, especially in times like this, especially in times like this, your battery does not get charged. It starts to weaken and eventually... It dies. I'm not saying you're going to die, but, you know, like, the phones die, and they can't do anything without battery charge. Same thing. We can do nothing, nothing, without understanding the Word of God, and I pray that He will just help us daily tap into our source of power and give us the strength that we need. Second point, place of fellowship, right? Sticking with the phone example, so let's say you got, you got your phone, you got your, you got your cord, you got your charger. What do you need along with your power bank, your cord, and your phone to charge your phone? What do you need? You need a socket. You need an outlet. You need something to plug into, right, for power. That's coming to church. <laughs> when we go to church, when we plug ourselves into church, we start to get charged. Just like with worship and reading the word, God called us to be together as a body. When we get together, I mean, I love, I, look, I, I, Radiate is still a small little church. I love, you know, worshiping together as, as a small group. But we can all say that when we're together in a large crowd, in a big crowd like this, oh, it's so refreshing. It's so, ref it's so refilling because you're together. You're just worshiping as one. It's so good. And I love that. And that's exactly what people need to be doing is we need to be plugging into our church. We need to be figuring out, you know, getting the, the understanding that we need to be together to power up. And now, I'm sure you've heard some people say this, especially some Christians. They're like, well, God didn't tell me that I needed to go to church. That's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. 
In fact, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. That sounds like going to church, <laughs> right? As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The week gets tough. The week gets tough. And when Sunday hits, oh, I get excited because I know that I have been through a heck of a week. And I am tired, and I need my batteries charged. And as soon as I walk into the room with a couple people who believe in the same God and who are there to edify me and build me up, iron sharpen iron, I know for a fact that I'm going to get that charge that I need to take on anything that the, wor the world is going to send my way. Anything. Anything. I love gathering together where we build each other up. We edify each other. We comfort each other. We're there for each other. We're a family. We're one body. When one part of the body's hurting, the other parts help out, right? That's what we do. We can't afford to be fractured. We can't afford to be broken. We need to be together. And I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of reasons why I'm sure that church attendance, both in person and online, is low. And it's so easy to fall out of line when you stop attending church and gathering together with other believers. Have you, you, ever, you ever not gone to church for a couple weeks and you just feel, ugh, right? And then it's harder to go. It's like, eh, well, I missed yesterday, I missed last week, and I missed last week. I mean, I think it's okay if I miss one more, and then you miss more and more and more, and then all of a sudden you're like, where the heck am I? Where'd I go? I have seen so many old friends, and unfortunately, some of the leaders that I grew up with who taught me fall away. They stopped going to church. Things got tough. They stopped filling their minds with the truth of the gospel. And they said, God, you're the reason for everything that's going wrong. I'm just done. And they leave. They weren't plugged in. They didn't try to plug into a ministry. They didn't go to someone in the church for help when they felt that they needed it. And they fall away. And that's so sad to see. Because without that encouragement, you only find, you, 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 without that encouragement that you only find by coming to the church and plugging in, it's understandable to see why that happens. It breaks my heart. Because I, I feel like God is looking for a people that will grieve for those who are lost, for those who are asleep. And I think that the church, and when I say the church, of course I'm not talking about you individually. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but the church itself, I just feel, needs more of a, of a fire to reach those who are asleep. I mean, we can't, we can't keep coming to church and hearing the word and taking it and having a good time and then going out and doing nothing with it. It's not something to sit on. It's a tool to use. It's, it's something to share. And whether, whether it's due to multiple online actions or uh, multiple online options or a lack of conviction for missing church. When I grew up and I, and I didn't go to church when I was really, you know, 
like going for my own reasons, not because my mom told me to on Sunday. I, I really felt bad for missing church. I, it was a conviction. It was like, I need to be there, right? So whether it's that or, or maybe, and this is big for some young people, but some kind of self-directed spirituality where, you know, you're in control of things and you can, you can make things work without God. Newsflash, you can't. <laughs> Doesn't work. I've tried. <laughs> Does not work. Because just like we, saw, we sang in that song, he just keeps pursuing you and pursuing you. He'll never quit. You can try to run as far as you want to, but he'll never quit. <sighs> Thank God for that. Mm. Church attendance is more important now than ever. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, what, I'm not saying that we need to throw caution to the wind, right? Especially in light of what's going on. I'm not saying we need to throw caution to the wind. But we need to make it a priority in some way to gather together and to be the church, to be that one body. Because if we are separated and fractured, we're not going to move. Not good. <laughs> now, we also need to keep this in mind, though, too. It's not just about attending church. It's about being the church. Because you are the church. The church is portable, baby. <laughs> Wherever you go, the church goes. Right? I don't, I don't really necessarily need that power bank. We got portable chargers, too. So I can bring it with me wherever I go. You are the church. You can go wherever you go, the church goes. And I'm choosing to believe. I'm choosing to believe that regardless of what is happening right now, that God is going to use all of this as a time of harvest. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. We're not dealing with this stuff for no reason. We're not going through all this stuff for no reason. I know that God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And he says that he's going to be with us. He's never going to forsake us. And I know that he's going to use this time of harvest. This is going to be a time of harvest where people are going to be looking for something to put their hope in. And everything else fails around them. And it's only going to be Jesus that they can put their hope in. And you're going to be there ready to bring them in. Tell them what the word says and get them on the, tra get them on the right track. I'm believing this. I'm believing that we're going to see churches flooded again with people that realize that Jesus is the only source of hope for them. I'm going to believe that. I'm claiming that. Thirdly, we need to be a people that pray. I'm talking to myself again here. You ever been that person that says, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then you forget? Ugh. Ouch. I have. You ever been that person who just, you feel like you're too busy to pray? I have. What about that time that you, you know, you say, I'm going to pray every night before I go to bed, and then you're too tired? I have. I'm just being transparent with you guys. You ever seen anyone on social media say, you know, when something's going wrong, they're saying, oh, I'm sending you good vibes, good thoughts. That helps. Have you, have you ever seen the same person then say that prayer's a waste of time? Get out of here. You can't catch a good vibe. You can't hold a vibe. That doesn't do anything for me. But when my prayers are heard by God, when the one who made everything, who has the final say, hears my prayers, now that changes stuff. And I find it, I find it very comical <laughs> that so many people will try to use that. That they'll believe that you can send a good vibe and make people feel better. But in reality, the prayer is what does it. It's prayer. When we can't, when we're so weak and down on our knees by ourselves and we can't pray because we don't have the strength, that's when we come together as a body and we start praying for each other because that is heard. That is heard. Even the word Jesus itself, when you've got nothing left, you say, Jesus, that's a prayer. 
That's a prayer. There is power in the name. Amen to that. I know a couple Christians who are afraid to tell someone who doesn't believe that they're praying for them. And they'll extend the good vibe card. Come on. Come on. It's like being 99% Christian, but the 1% you're like, I don't know. Good vibes. Here you go. Bye. No. no, you're, You're all in. I don't know about that life. I'm all in. Prayer is not just a small conversation that you have with God when you need something. Prayer changes things. Prayer cures sickness. Prayer helps people in times of need when they need comfort. God hears prayers and he answers them. And he's there and he never fails. Prayer changes things. But have we lost or forgotten the understanding of that importance of prayer? Do we do it enough? I mean, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. (laughs) I definitely don't meet that mark. But have we lost the importance of prayer? Have we forgotten that? You can't tell me, going back to those people in the beginning that we mentioned, Moses, Samson, Esther, you can't tell me that before they did the thing that God sent them to achieve, that they weren't praying before it. If I was Queen Esther, I'd be like, oh dear God, I'm going to die, please help me. (laughs) You can't tell me they weren't praying. Samson ended his life on a prayer. He literally prayed for strength. That was the last thing he prayed for, was God to give him the strength he needed. And he brought that house down on all of his enemies. Man, what a way to go. That's an honorable way. You, the last thing you say is, God, I need you. Ooh, that's good. The church is called to be a people that pray. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Wake up, America. You wonder why nothing's, being, nothing's working? You wonder why we're not seeing the change? Because we ain't praying. Because the, the nation ain't praying. They're looking for other things. God, this, this is not just God saying, oh, I might hear you. If I'm listening, if I'm not on another call, or if I'm out of the office, my God ain't ever out of the office. He's always listening. And this says, I will, I will forgive their sin. I will hear their land. And I will hear you. Let me tell you again, your prayers are heard. I know it might be hard. I know you might be dealing with some real crummy stuff. I know. But that doesn't mean that God does not hear you. You are heard and you are seen. This is a wake-up call. <laughs> this verse is a wake-up call. If we want to see a change in the country that we live in, do you want to see a change in the country that we live in? Do you want to see a change in the people that you associate with? Then we got to make the changes in here first. The church has got to get back to the importance of prayer. I'll tell you what, I don't want to be identified with any people that looks to political things for hope. If you're going to identify me with people, identify me with the kingdom first. 
That's the people that I'm identified with, the kingdom. And I, I'm talking to myself here. Derek, you've got to start praying, man. <laughs> you gotta get, you got to start praying harder. I, I'm, t- I'm done with the rock star preachers. Or, uh, you know, just going to church to see friends. I'm done with that. I'm done to going to church. Man, I need that. That, 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 that. that church has got a good cup of coffee. I'm going to go for that. No, I'm done with that. I'm done with that stuff. We got to get serious about this. It's time. The world needs the church. Badly. <laughs> Especially the people coming up. The young people. Man, when I was in youth group, there were like 60 kids there a day, every Wednesday. Skateboarders flooded the whole parking lot. There were people there. I could barely find a seat. What, ha- what happened? What happened? Paul is a perfect example of what prayer warriors should look like. In the good times and in the most dire times, that man prayed. And he prayed so hard that prison doors blew off the hinges and he used it to lead people to Jesus. Listen to me when I tell you this. I'm not saying that when you pray, your bedroom door is going to fly out the frame. But I will tell you this, that when you start praying, you will see spiritual doors bust open. You will see spiritual doors bust open. You will see strongholds break in people's lives that you know and maybe in your own. It might take a little bit of time. It's not easy. Being a Christian is not for the faint of heart. It's hard. But the prize at the end of the race is worth it. So what about you? You may be still wondering about what your calling is in all this. Yeah, Pastor Derek, it's great to know what the church stands for, but what about me? Who am I? I'm going to tell you. That answer is simple. You were called to a commission. And a great one, might I add. If you look at Matthew... 28, 16, verse 20 says this. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely, listen to this, surely I am with you until the ends of the the very end of the age. Guys, you're not alone in this. You're not alone. Not only do you have a body who's here, but you've got a God who's always here. He's always with you. And he called you to this commission The Great Commission is a calling on all of us, both individually and as a church. And with the kingdom authority that you have through Christ, you have everything you need to do this. Everything you need to do this. This is not a great suggestion. He's not like, hey, if you have the time on Sunday brunch, can you let your waitress know that I'm thinking about her? No. That's not what this is. This is a Great Commission. You, when you accept Christ, are told to go. Go. That's it. That's all he needed to say. Go. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Once again, like I said, this isn't for the the faint of heart. 
After all, it's not called the Great Suggestion. And Oswald Chambers furthers this point uh, in a little bit of an excerpt from his collections, which I'm going to read to you. I was thinking about just, you know, trying to speed read through this whole book tonight, but I, d I didn't think you were going to really enjoy that. So I'm going to, hang on, let me see if I can find the page of where I'm at. There, oh, look at that, turn right to it. All right, listen to this. <clears throat> Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said, I, here am I, send me. That's Isaiah 6, 8, okay? It says, God did not address the call to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard God saying, who will go for us? The call of God is not for the special few. It is for everyone. Whether or not I hear God's call depends upon the state of my ears. And what I hear depends upon my disposition. Who will go for us is not a question of God singling out a man and saying, now you go. God did not lay a strong compulsion on Isaiah. Isaiah was in the presence of God and he overheard the call and realized that there was nothing else for him but to say in conscious freedom, here am I, send me. Oh, that's good. Get out of your mind the idea of expecting God to come with compulsions and pleadings. When our Lord called his disciples, there was no irresistible compulsion from outside. The quiet, passionate insistence of his follow me was spoken to men with every power wide awake. If we let the Spirit of God bring us face to face with God, we too will hear something akin to what Isaiah heard, the still small voice of God, and in perfect freedom will say, here am I, send me. I got a challenge for you. I got a challenge for you. If you will accept the call to study and read the Word of God with intention, if you accept the call to create a place of fellowship where people can come and get the healing encounter with Jesus that they so desperately need. If you accept the call to be a prayer warrior, I want you to stand. Does that sound familiar? That's what we're doing. C3's theme of the year. And if you need to sit, just raise your hand. I know you're all there. This is the call. You just happen to be at service tonight and you just overheard it. That's it. Just like Isaiah. But are we a people who are willing to say, like Isaiah, here am I, send me. Amen. I want to pray for you guys real quick. Father God, I thank you for all of these people in this room, Lord. God, I pray right now that you will fill them with a boldness that is so supernatural that comes from nothing but you. God, we recognize your call to stand. God, we recognize that you have work for us to do. God, we recognize that it is our, it is our call as the church to spread your gospel to the nations. And Lord, we stand up and raise our hands and say, here are we, Lord, send us. Yes. God, I pray right now that we will be faithful to that call. Lord, that this call won't just be done in this room and then when we walk through the doors that we forget what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray right now that when we leave this room, it will be a church that goes. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen real quick before I, before I step down. 
I want to tell you something um, about that song that we sang, Reckless Love, right? In times like this, we need to get a little reckless. After all, the love of God is reckless itself. It knows what it's doing, but it's a little reckless. And I want to mention something to you out of Luke 15 real fast. Many of you may know this parable, and if you don't, well, you're going to like this one, because it's good. It's a parable of the shepherd that's watching a flock of 100 sheep. But one sheep wanders away, right? Wanders away. So does that shepherd just sit and wait for it to come back? Does he hope that it comes back? And if it doesn't, then, oh, well, no. He leaves the flock to find that sheep and chases after it until it is found. The love of God is not concerned with the consequences of giving his heart completely. He isn't worried about being cautious. He isn't worried about what people are going to think of him, what people are going to say about him. Finding that one lost sheep is supremely important. I know all of you in this room have one person that you want to have a radical encounter with Christ that you want to see them come to the understanding of who Jesus is in their, in their lives, just like you do. Let's get reckless, and let's go get them.